Welcome to the Perfectly Preserved Podcast. I'm your host, Jenny Gomes. And I'm Anna Cash. Here, we come together to bring you a podcast all about preserving food safely, easily, and dare I say perfectly at home. We are master food preservers, moms, wives, and we love talking about canning. We've decided the world needs a podcast that shares up-to-date, modern, safe information about canning, dehydrating, freezing, freeze-drying, and more. We answer listener questions, teach beginner and intermediate techniques, and share our very best tips for preserving successfully. We'll show you how to find trusted recipes, sources, and more so you never have to second-guess your preserving practices again. Ready to can like a master preserver? Let's get into today's episode. Welcome to a new episode of the Perfectly Preserved Podcast. I'm Anna with my host, Jenny, and we are going to be talking about fruit in jars and kind of the labeling that happens when people are making any type of fruit preserves uh, in jars. And there are a lot of terms, you might have heard them, and we are going to debunk and demystify what all of these terms mean. So Jenny sent me this really cool infographic talking about each one of these and hopefully we can yeah just clear it up and get you excited about putting more fruit in jars. Jenny, let's start it off. Okay, so the very first one we're going to talk about is jam. So jam is more of a whole fruit as in most of the fruit is used, but the pieces of the fruit are cooked down, softened by heat, and or completely pureed to be smooth. So jam is, of all these, I make the most jam, probably. Yeah, I I think that's the one I make the most of. I like jam because as a mom, I started thinking early on, like, this is a little bit more healthful because it has all of the fruit in it rather than jelly, which does not. What can you share about jam, Anna? Yeah, I think I'm the same as you, Jenny. I think I probably make more jam than anything. I do like the idea of the fruit being in there and having like the fiber and the vitamins and minerals from the actual fruit in there and not just the sweet juice that you would use in a jelly. And and really, I think it's the most popular of all the the canned fruit in jars that we're going to talk about. I think it's probably why it's number one on the list. Right. We had a great episode where we talked about what recipes a beginner would start with. And Anna and I both said raspberry jam would be a great choice for a beginning preserver. And that is a true jam. So the whole part of the raspberry, all of it, this little seeds, the skins, the little you know, wonderful stuff in between. That's all included in the jam. And you can't identify the individual raspberries anymore. It's all smushed up for lack of a better verb. And that is, yeah, it's, it's a winning recipe for a reason. It's, it's a great choice for a beginner. It's great for anybody to try. And that is an example of a true jam. So the next preserve that we'll talk about is jelly. Anna, what can you tell us about beautiful jelly? Yeah, jelly is just beautiful. Like when you do it correctly, jelly can really take on the qualities of like a gemstone. It a good quality jelly will be clear. There won't be a lot of sediment in there. It just looks like glass almost and has like when I'm doing fair judging, a really good jelly has a bit of jiggle 
but it also has a little bit of give. So you don't want a jelly that's like rock hard. You don't want it to be like, oh, I don't know, like a hard slime or something. Like you want it to have a little bit of wiggle and a little bit of movement in the jelly. But it's basically just from fruit juices that you create your jelly. So when you say some give, you mean it's it's spreadable. You want to be able to spread that on your bagel or spread it on your toast. Right. And what do you use to gel your fruit juice when you make beautiful jelly? Don't you make a red currant jelly? In red currant jelly, I actually boil the stems and the berries together, the red currant berries in some water. And there's a lot of natural pectin actually in the stems. And so I don't use a commercial pectin for that one, but for like grape juice, I will use a commercial pectin. Um, some of those that are like low pectin mm-hmm. uh, fruits. What about you? What what jellies do you make or do you make so any? So the best jelly I've ever made was elderberry jelly. And those who love elderberry for its purported immune boosting benefits will just loathe to hear that it's really good with a lot of sugar. (laughs) Elderberry jelly is delicious with the addition of sugar and it is such a beautiful purple color and it's spreadable. And I have made grape jelly before also, and that turned out good, but uh, boy, the elderberry, very pretty and very clear and it wasn't super tricky. Uh, I was really happy with uh, using elderberry for jelly. Nice. So let's talk about one last thing for jelly. And that is what I feel like is exception to the rule. And that is a pepper jelly. Like um, there's pepper jelly recipes in the ball canning book and in the USDA guide. Mm -hmm. And it kind of goes against what we're talking about, that a jelly needs to be clear and it's made from juice. This pepper jelly that we're talking about has little chunks of peppers in it. Mm. And I do this all the time. I make pepper jellies and it just goes against what we're talking about. So there are some exceptions to the rule, but but that's one that you might see and you're like, this isn't a true jelly. It's got pepper chunks in it. I feel like that's you're doing that to showcase that this is a spicy jelly. I, to me, that's it still is a jelly because one, the pieces are small, and two, I, the way you made it is the way you would make a jelly. So the method of the preparation is the same. And you're I mean, you're doing that to show there's jalapenos in this or there's peppers in this. That's to me seems very purposeful. Right, right. That's true. That's totally true. All right, let's move on to curds. Let's talk my favorites, curds. Ugh. Okay, so there is an excellent set of two recipes with excellent directions in Marisa McClellan's book, Food in Jars, and she has a blog by the same name. She's a delight. She's so knowledgeable and wonderful in the canning space, and I followed her recipe to the letter, and I got on a kick where I made batch after batch of lemon curd, and it's kind of fussy because curd has egg in it. <laughs> it's kind of a fussy thing to make, but I have a very low tolerance for fussy, right? I've, I don't really love fussy things, but the result is so profoundly delicious. It is worth it to me 
personally. I love it. I love that I figured out how to do it. It took a couple, I mean, the first one was pretty good and the next one was dramatically better. And what's fussy about it is that you have to cook the eggs in a fashion that they don't end up scrambled because that is gross. You don't want scrambled eggs in your curd. Right. Right. And what also is confusing probably for a new person is that you can water bath can lemon and lime curd, even though it has very low acid egg yolk in it. And you can do that because the lime and lemon is right. so acidic. And these recipes have been tested. This is even for those of you who might be like rule breakers, rule benders, don't make up your own curd. Follow a tested curd recipe so you know it's safe for water bath canning. And I eat curd with plain Greek yogurt and a scoop of my homemade lemon curd. And it is the best breakfast. It feels like it's like a delight. It is so good. Another thing to remember about curd is its shelf life is not quite as long as other water bath canned things. But in my mind, it makes no difference. You'll eat it up anyway, or you'll give it as a very impressive gift. What curds have you made or any, Anna? Yeah. So I've made lemon curd. I did it in the weck jars. We have an episode all about Mm, wet canning mm -hmm. and the weck jars. And I made a ton of lemon curd. And Mm -hmm. you know what's so silly? My family doesn't eat it. Oh, what a crime. (laughs) I know. I need to try the lemon curd with Greek yogurt. That's such a great idea. I only ever think about it as a dessert, though. Oh, no. I was plopping that on toast. I was putting it in on bagels with cre- bagels with cream cheese. I mean, get out of town. It's so good. <laughs> I was eating it almost exclusively in breakfast. And I mean, yeah, could you buy lemon Greek yogurt? Yes, but it is, it's just really, really good. You definitely should try it. If you are, yeah, if you like citrusy things. Oh, and then. I mean, if you have your own backyard chickens, I mean, <laughs> it's it's really up there in terms of indulgence, yeah. deliciousness, and you can use it in lots of different ways. Awesome. And now a quick word about our courses. Want to learn more about canning? Check out our video courses. Anna's beginner and advanced canning courses are available at smarthomecanning.com. And Jenny teaches super fast steam canning at startcanning.com. Use the code POD25, that's P-O-D-25, to get 25% off those courses today. Okay, so let's move on to preserves. This is something that people say a lot, like, like in place of jam, they say, oh, my raspberry preserves or my strawberry uh-huh. preserves. So Jenny, talk us through like why is it different? Okay, so the noun preserve can refer to anything that you're putting in a jar. And I've seen it used that way many, many different times across different types of canning writers, people in the food space. Like my shelf full of preserves. It's not all just like strawberries, right? It's it's anything you put in a in a jar. However, there is a highly specific type of preserve and that is chunks of fruit in gelled fruit juice. So it's kind of like jam, uh, kind of like jam and jelly together. So you have large chunks and or whole fruit mixed into a gelled fruit juice. Is that a good way to explain that, Anna? Yeah, I think, let me give you an example. So yesterday I was making 
I had a recipe for nectarine preserves. Mm. Ah. And I was like toying with the idea of maybe like mashing them up or crushing the nectarines. But instead, what I did is I chopped them very finely. Mm. And then I added a little bit of sugar and some lemon juice like the recipe called for. And it ended up being a preserve. The the chunks kind of stayed in like in their shape and there was gelled juice around it. And it was totally different than a jam. And I loved it. It was beautiful. But I think the the crushed fruit is in a jam is the difference between a jam and a preserve. Right. So these are visually interesting just as delicious as any of these other items, right? They're they're awesome. We love them. My thought would be if you have a picky kid, I mean, woe is you if you have a picky kid, the chunks of fruit might be objectionable <laughs> to a picky person. But that's my only, I think that would be like the only drawback to a preserve. Right, right. I can't imagine like a harder thing for a child than having <laughs> to eat some chunks of fruit. <laughs> Uh, it might be the end of the, it might be the end of their whole day. Like that might be it. Okay, that's right. So the next item on our list is conserves, which is the whole fruit that is in gelled fruit juice. So you wouldn't make like peach conserve, right? Those are too big, probably. But you could make a conserve with little smaller fruits. Anna, have you made a conserve? Because I don't think I have. I don't think I've intentionally done that. Sometimes uh, like if I'm making blueberry jam Mm. or something with a small berry and I don't want to run it through um, the blender, the immersion blender or whatever, I'll just leave it kind of whole. Mm -hmm. Um, But for the most part, I kind of like my fruit crushed or, you know, in super small pieces. Right. What about you? I have made recipes that were labeled as conserves that where the fruit part was more of a jam. And the conserve included chopped pieces of nuts, like walnuts, and the addition of ingredients like flaked coconut. And all of those recipes I've made, they didn't really fit this definition that I'm reading at this one particular spot that says the fruit is whole. But I did love, uh, I made a Concord grape and walnut conserve. So the grape was a jam. And the walnuts were awesome chunks. And in the same way that peanut butter and jelly go together, the walnut conserve was like, it just made like a crunchy, delicious sandwich spread. It was bomb. So good. And you wouldn't maybe necessarily know that you could water bath can something with chopped nuts. But in a conserve canning recipe, you can. And you can include the flaked coconut. And there's a few other things that you can add without, you know, in a, in a tested conserve recipe. And those are delicious, but that doesn't quite fit this definition. But I would, st- I've seen it enough that I feel confident saying that that is what a conserve can also be. Right, right. No, and I, I love that idea of a Concord grape with a walnut in it. I think that would be so good. It was, it was a very good combination. So the next item on our list is fruit butter. This is a fruit that has been. I've only made it in a slow cooker. But it's where you take a fruit puree that is cooked probably low and slow, either in a slow cooker or in a stovetop situation, and it's smooth and spreadable and has kind of a richness in flavor. Anna, what could you say about fruit butter? 
I was going to say the only fruit butter I've ever made is like an apple butter Mm, during apple season. And it was really good. But again, like maybe, maybe quince. I've done like a quince paste and that's more like a fruit butter. Yeah. Yeah. So I really like an apple butter because of you can put it in the crock pot and you don't, it's not fussy at all. It's the opposite of fussy. And it's very spreadable, very smooth. You can spice it however you want. It's versatile, I think, in that way. You can put it like on top of a muffin or like I would mix it into like uh, like apple spice muffins that I would make for my kids. You can mix in a few tablespoons of apple butter and it just adds more of that rich apple taste. But it's uh, it's not sticky. It's not sugary, sticky. It's... Well, the apple butter I've made, I didn't even, I don't think I added any sugar at all because you're cooking down that apple and the natural sugar is plenty. So it's a great choice right. if you're not interested in added sugar. Yeah. It like condenses all that flavor in a very power packed jar of fruit butter. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think I added, I maybe added a little bit of brown sugar, but that was it. Right. Right. It's the opposite of fussy. It's the opposite of a curd <laughs> in terms of effort and and uh, fussiness. Right. Right. Let's talk about chutneys. Okay. So a chutney is a spiced fruit relish. I have. I don't think I've ever made a chutney. Anna, have you? Yes. So I made a. I want to say it was a apple chutney. Mm. A couple years ago, and it included things like onions and raisins and spices, and no one in my family liked it. Ugh, <laughs> jerks, jerks. And I made probably like eight half pint jars, oh. and I didn't even like it. It was in the ball book, I believe, oh. and it just wasn't that good. I have a friend, and she made a nectarine chutney out of the ball guide to preserving book. Um, and she loved it. So I have some nectarines sitting on my countertop that I'm going to try mm-hmm. and make some chutney out of and just see how it tastes. But yeah, that's on my list this week. What about you, Jenny? Have you made a chutney before? I don't think so. And I was trying to think if I did, I, I can't think of what you would eat it on other than a charcuterie board. Oh, it's really good. Like with Indian food or like roasted meats. Yeah, I've just never done it. I've never done it. So it would have to be something you were excited to try. And and of course, there's lots of really good recipes. I hope you you can report back on our next episode about the, the nectarine chutney and let us know how it is. Yeah, I'll let you know because I'll make a small batch and just see how it is. Okay, perfect. All right. The next one is called a confit or it's spelled C-O-N-F-I-T. And it's basically like whole fruit preserved in sugar. And Jenny and I were kind of talking about this before the episode started. I was like, well, what what exactly is it? Is it the same as a conserve? So Jenny, maybe walk us through what you found in your research online. Sure. Okay. So confit is a French word and it comes from the verb confiture, which is for jam or preserves or marmalade. And of course, you probably are more familiar with like duck confit, which is also, it's not a canning recipe, but it's also type of like kind of a preserve, right? But fruit confit is like candied fruit and it's cooked and it's preserved in sugar. 
So I could not find a canning recipe for confit, but it's another fruit that is preserved with sugar type of a food. And then compote, which is another thing, like you read that like in not like novels and it's kind of an old fashioned thing, but fruit compote is fruit that is slow cooked in a sugary syrup and it's served just in a dish like a dessert. And the fruit in it will maintain its shape. So it's like slow-cooked grapes or slow-cooked berries of some kind, probably. Or plums, other stone fruit that would be pitted. And that's just like served as a cooked syrupy thing. And I'm like thinking of like Anne of Green Gables, like that type. I've read it uh, many times in literature. That's a very kind of older-fashioned cooked thing. So... Both of those sound like they have the elements of of all these other items, but they aren't traditionally canned. <laughs> yeah, like I said, I didn't really know much about it, so I'm glad right that you're right. able to shed some light. And it is in a lot of like older yeah. older English like text or novels or whatever. It's like, oh, the compote is delicious, and it's just like, what the heck is a compote? <laughs> or the old recipe books. I mean, I'm sure your old like old grandma's recipe books would have a compote, you know, either as a side dish or included. But yeah, that's what that's what a compote is. And then the final one that we're going to cover is marmalade, and a marmalade is citrus in gelled juice, but the citrus pieces, they can or sometimes don't include the rind. And it's like a slice (laughs) of the citrus kind of kept in its nice shape. It's a little slice there, like an orange slice or a grapefruit slice. And that shape is preserved in this gelled juice. And I think I tried one or two times to make it and it is It's a very, well, one, you have to have a very sharp knife, okay, to cut and slice citrus into such slices that you are maintaining a very nice shape. And it's just kind of fussy. Have you, how much uh, successful marmalade have you made, Anna? Ugh, marmalade is beyond fussy. It's beyond like (laughs) 24 hours to make. Yes, because you have to like set things like your fruit pieces and your rind that you've thinly sliced. I want to say in sugar overnight or yeah, I can't remember. I, I always try to do it around Christmas time when citrus is in season and it's in the grocery stores. And I, I feel like I've done this three Christmases in a row and each... <laughs> Each time I'm like, what was I thinking? <laughs> Why have I done this? Why? Uh, and yes, yes. And normally you don't even use a commercial pectin. <laughs> but this year I might try and use Pomona's pectin in it uh, because I, inevitably it just doesn't set. And for that much work, it just makes me so mad. I'm just like, ah, yeah. why aren't you working? Anyway, it's probably user error. If there is a marmalade expert, please email us. We will interview you and we can have a whole episode about how to make amazing marmalade because it's a tricky son of a gun. <laughs> yeah, it, it it is. And um, it's not for lack of trying, but it's definitely just like does not. It's not my favorite thing to make, but it's so beautiful when it's done right. Yeah, it's it's beautiful and delicious. It's impressive. It's. 
I mean, if I like grew up on a citrus farm or something, that might be the bear that I learned to overcome, right? That would be marmalade. But I just like, I didn't have a sharp enough knife, I think. And I was like, what, how thin do these slices have to be? I mean, it was, it would just became like a thing. I didn't have the interest in overcoming, <laughs> but it, I would say it ha- it has to be the most challenging of the items that we've covered today. But that isn't that if you want to try it, I mean, try it. It's beautiful. And if you get good at it, you'll win every blue ribbon at any county fair you enter and impress anybody because that is not easy to make. Right. In the end, I think I ended up using a carrot peeler to get the peels off with a little bit of rind. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, if you have like some surgical tools at your disposal, like if your sister's a dentist or like, I don't, I just was like, I... (laughs) I'm not set up to do this. This is not the right thing for my personality. But if you uh, feel inclined to try, I mean, we all will be impressed because it's a beautiful and delicious preserve that once you get the hang of it, I'm sure it probably isn't that hard. Someone out there is like, oh, marmalade, that's not that difficult. Right. So, you know, give it a try if you feel so inclined. Somebody in the UK is probably cringing. Yeah. It's so easy. (laughs) (laughs) It's so simple. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure you could figure it out if you had the right stuff and you knew enough about citrus and follow the directions really closely. And you had the time. I'm sure we could figure it out. That'd be like a Christmas challenge for us or something, Anna. Yes. Perfectly preserved podcast Christmas challenge. Okay, I think that wraps up our episode for everyone today. Hopefully this illuminates for our listeners all the different ways you can preserve fruit into some sort of sweet thing to spread on toast. Let us know via email or on social media if you have any questions about this. But we can't wait to see you on the next episode. That's our show. We don't want you to miss an episode, so please be sure to subscribe. If you found this episode helpful and informative, please give our show a rating and review. It only takes a few seconds and it really helps our show grow. Follow us on social media at Smart Home Canning and at The Domestic Wildflower. Email your preserving questions to perfectlypreservedpodcast at gmail.com and we will do our best to answer your questions on the show. Thanks so much for listening. Stay tuned for our next episode released every week.